Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Tuesday, March 7th, and welcome to another edition of The Ben Jarofsky Show. Making his triumphant return to the show today, Dixon Romeo. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. Columns from Ben Jarofsky. Hey, and if you want to find more from Ben Jarofsky, all you got to do, jump on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory. S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Trotsky here. We're calling this Cut a Deal Tuesday. And here's why. First of all, it's Tuesday. So happy Tuesday, everybody. Now let's get to the Cut a Deal part. I was bowling last night. That's the sound of those balls hitting those pins. And I got a, a text coming in from a good friend of mine who probably doesn't want to be identified. Uh, and uh, it was... It was a t- yeah, everybody. I, all my younger friends are so nice to me. They t- treat me so well. They send me images of tweets because they know I'm not on Twitter. So they Ben, you got to see this. <laughs> this one is hilarious, man. Uh, it's a uh, an exchange between Jay Maul Green, uh, who recently was a candidate for mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, and uh, I can't remember how what. Uh, position he came in, but it wasn't first or second. Uh, and so J. Mal Green wrote, and I'm going to do this in my uh, <clears throat> my professional reader's voice. <clears throat> Morning. Over the weekend, I hosted both mayoral candidates at my home to talk about the vision for Chicago's future. I've known both candidates for six plus years, and I appreciate them for maintaining our friendships. It's a tough decision but I'm preparing to make one soon. Uh, and then he wrote, uh, he goes, this, uh, this decision is based on logics and tangibles. It's not about emotion, noise, or the loudest tweets. It's about our city, the most vulnerable communities, our youth, and our future. Our last four years have been rough, and we need the next four to work for all of us. I'll let you know soon. To which someone named Star Wars Maine, <laughs> Star Wars Maine, obviously a Star Wars fan, uh, wrote back, and I quote, Dog, this ain't a hard choice. Yes, Star Wars Maine, you are correct. That was hilarious. Ladies. First of all, the dog part was very funny. It was like bringing us down to earth and just like the brevity of it. Jay Maul was going on and on about it. I'm really searching my soul and reading their platforms and studying all the issues before I make this momentous decision. <laughs> and Star Wars is dog. It's not a hard choice. Yeah, you're right, Star. 
towards Maine. It's not a hard choice. You're not searching your soul. All right, now, before I go any further, let me say this. And I'm speaking in all sincerity. My distinguished guest, Dixon Romy, I'm speaking to you as well. So I'm old. Uh, older than Jay Maul Green, who I don't even think he's cracked 30 yet. And so I appreciate the fact that he's a young man and he has a, a full life ahead of him. And he may want to cut a deal that's in his best interest. And I respect that. I absolutely respect that. I do not believe I am a role model for anybody. I am sitting up here in my attic talking to a microphone overlooking an attic. I am a lefty. I lose election after election after election. The people I endorse always lose. The things I believe in are laughed at and mocked at. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing because it's so funny. I just, if my life is a wall in which against which I knock my head. <laughs> one time in my life, one time, I got to vote for a winning candidate. I really believed it. Harold Washington, two times because he ran for re-election. Ever since then, <laughs> that's the sound of going downhill. So if I was a young man just starting out, I'd be like, hmm, who's going to win this election? Paul Vallis, who's backed by corporate Chicago, both newspapers, pretty much all the white people in town, or Brandon Johnson, the lefty, the lefty from the Chicago Teachers Union, the union that is despised by mainstream Chicago and corporate Chicago. The, the powerful teachers union, as they always say in every newspaper, the powerful teacher, like this is ominous cloud that's coming over to the city of Chicago, the powerful teachers union, they're going to take control of your life. So, you know, if you're, if you're like analytical about it, you're like, Hmm, I got a feeling Paul Vallis is going to win. Then you look at Jesse White lines up behind Paul Vallis, Walter Burnett. Lines up behind Paul Vallis. I just saw just today, Joyce Kenner, former principal of Whitney Young High School, lines up behind Paul Vallis. Rod Sawyer, six-word alderman, just ran for uh, mayor, lines up behind Paul Vallis. I'm like, hmm, the writing's on the wall. I think I better learn. <laughs> line up with Paul Vallis. So I do not begrudge anyone for cutting a deal with Paul Vallis and lining up behind Paul Vallis. And going on to have a profitable life. I know a lot of people who've made good money in this town as PR and corporate. I'm thinking of some right now. Just They were all hippies back in the day. And they lined up with the powers that be. And those that were Richard M. Daly, Rahm Emanuel, and they're doing really well for themselves. A lot better than I'm doing. So I am no role model at all on this issue. And I urge every young person out there, if you want to cut a deal, go cut your deal. But this is not hard. <laughs> Having said that, this is not hard, J-Mall. You were the guy that would call me up. I remember we had a nice interview. You were up in Wisconsin. You were, like, standing with the protesters. This is right after Rittenhouse killed those two activists. I remember that. Which side do you think Paul Vallis would be on with what went down in Wisconsin in 2000? Which side do you think Brandon Johnson will be on? I mean, I understand. I understand the need to take care of yourself, take care of your family. I truly believe that. I hold no grudge against anybody who's made that decision. But this is not a hard decision. It's like you got 
a guy who's a left who is comes out of a movement that's committed to like social justice and fighting inequities and your guy who comes out of the daily machine <laughs> who created the tiffs which have raised everybody's property taxes to fund development in high-priced neighborhoods while depriving money to the schools and low-priced neighborhoods. This is not a hard decision at all. Right now, everybody's scared about crime. Understand that, too. So Paul Vallis is saying, cops, 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 more, 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 more. I'm like, I've been living in the city of Chicago since 1981. I've lived through <laughs> lots of cops. Lots of rhetoric, a lot of crime. Nothing's changed. Solutions of cops, cops, cops really hasn't helped us in the fight against crime. That's where Paul Vallis is coming from. Brandon Johnson is trying to figure out how to get his message out because, like, if you talk about spending money that would otherwise go to the police, they call you a defunder. So he's really trying to figure out how to get that message up. But this is not hard. I understand transactional politics. I understand how the game is played. I know it's worked very well for many people in the city of Chicago. But this decision, ladies and gentlemen, it's a lot of things. But it's not a hard decision. And shout out very much to Star Wars Maine. Dog, this ain't a hard choice. Man, that man put it in one, two, three, four, five, six words. It took me like a thousand words to say what Star Wars Maine said in six. So shout out to Star Wars Maine. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest, Dixon Romeo, good friend of this show, diehard Bulls fan, Southsider, uh, and Chicago native uh, to uh, welcome. Well, I want to welcome him back. And I also want Dixon to introduce our mystery guest ben thanks for holding down the show while i've been gone um going <laughs> forward um as the voice of the youth i will be running this show um so i appreciate you for your service um <laughs> i am a role model no, i'm just kidding um but yeah i'm dixon with uh not me we in the cba coalition and my guest is our chair of our south shore cba campaign her name is Kiera Harden. Kiera, say what up. What's up? <laughs> Welcome to the uh, Dixon Romeo show, Kiera. Uh, <laughs> so happy to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. So um, Dixon's been on the show several times talking about the CBA, uh, the Community Benefits Agreement. And there was a, let me find this one, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, there was, it was on the referendum in several precincts, uh, excuse me, it was on the ballot. Uh, on several precincts in the um, Fifth Ward, which is where the Obama Center is, uh, will be. And um, so the results, these are classic. I'm going to show Dixon. Uh, he can't see this on my phone. But uh, uh, that either the, on election night or the day after election night, uh, I got uh, the results handwritten on a piece of paper. <laughs> so old school. Uh uh, from Dixon, kind of pounded himself on the chest because, man, here are the results. Second precinct, 89.5%. Third precinct, 84.8%. Fourth precinct, 88%. Precinct 5, 
This is the weak precinct. Seventy-three percent media. I called Dixon. What's in precinct five? Uh, oh my God! He just sent me another text, man. He's such a millennial. Uh, and ninety-one uh, uh, percent in the seventh precinct. And here are the rest of the numbers: ninety-eight, eighty-nine, ninety-five, eighty-nine, eighty-five, ninety-seven point two precinct fourteen. Right on precinct fourteen. Uh, Dixon, explain to people what the referendum question was uh, and what the CBA is so they can understand the significance of these huge uh, numbers. Go ahead. Sure. I'm going to let Kiera just kind of walk folks through what CBA is and then we can both peel through the numbers. Does that work, Kiera? Since it is my yeah, show, I can kind of do that. Okay, go ahead, Kiera. Yeah. Um, so essentially, the CBA is us working like fighting for protections to ensure that folks or people can stay in their neighborhood when big development comes. Um, and in this case, the big development would be the Obama Presidential Center. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. That's right. Um, and, you know, through this campaign, right, like we've had, you know, it's gone on f since 2015, right? Not me, we, the group that Kier and I are part of was started. We started in 2020. We joined because South Shore got kind of kicked out of the Woodlawn Housing Preservation Ordinance, right? The original kind of like win, right? South Shore got written out. So we're like, all right, well, you can't leave us out, right? It's the eviction capital of the city. You know, it's a neighborhood that's 77% rental. 53% of folks are housing cost burdened, um, meaning that they're spending more than 30% of their income on rent. So like, we need protections too, right? Um, and so we joined the coalition and kind of restarted the fight in South Shore. Uh, Kier has been a part of it since the beginning, right, kind of come, come in our first Zoom meeting, it was like three people, um, but it was good. Um, but since then, you know, we've gotten a lot bigger. Um, and, you know, one narrative we kept hearing throughout when meeting with like, you know, Leslie Harrison, the alder person, or meeting with the city, or even from the mayor, or some other groups that are like very closely aligned with like the city or the foundation or the University of Chicago is like, well, you know, yes, of course, we don't want people to get displaced. That's very bad. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, folks do want um, you know, there's, there's a, the silent majority of homeowners and condo owners who, who, who are fine with that displacement, right? They know it's the cost of doing business to have nice things. Um, and or so, even the, or even the even the former president himself said that it was something that like would be a far down the line, like our children's children would be experiencing displacement. So it's like it was something that they were planning out to be something that wasn't like on the top of the priority or something that wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Exactly. And that and that's not what data shows. That's not what um Kier, you can speak to this when we talk to folks on the ground. Like what do you what do you hear from folks on the ground around displacement in the center? A lot. Like they are always talking about like how um they'll never stay out front. Like you know, some people will say, like specifically like the they, that the Obama Center is increasing like the rent rates, but a lot of times people will talk around it and they'll be like they're experiencing all of these things, but they won't attribute it to the Obama Center, um, even though like it's a big development that's making a whole bunch of change. Um, and I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, we're not the anti-Obama Center, because we definitely we want it to come. Uh, I'm a firm believer of like, it'd be disrespectful of me to say that like the Obama Center shouldn't come because there are people in my family who want it here, right? Um, but I'm also a firm believer that when Northwestern or any, any institution on the North side um, does development, um, people there don't have to leave. Little old white ladies don't have to leave their houses. But when development comes on the South side, little old black ladies do. Um, and that's disrespectful within themselves too. Um, 
so what exactly would a community benefits agreement do to protect uh, residents, current residents of South Shore and uh, from being displaced? Well, I think a couple of things, Ben, is that, um, you know, and we've talked to some of the mayoral candidates. I'm sure you'll ask about that later about this. We've talked to all the Manic folks about this. It's it, we did a Kiera was there, right? We did at least 11 different teachings, community sessions, forums around like what do folks need? We went through this lengthy process over a year of having policy experts from UIC, Georgetown, folks from uh, you know, Howard University, lawyers, folks who used to work for the city, the state, and the county, uh, leaders like Kiera, other folks come together, look at policies, and like match them up. So what we landed on was, you know, it's, it's on ObamaCBA.org, South Shore. There's a ton of them, but like one, one thing we know is that we need a holistic housing package. So I think oftentimes what you'll see is that the city will say, okay, well, we're going to give, we're going to do this money, we're going to do Invest Southwest, right? We're going to build this one development that'll have 300 units, 40 of them will be affordable, and that's really good. But then that that may benefit folks 10 years from now when it's built, at, you know, but it, it depends on the rate. But then what happens to everyone else on that block? What happens to everyone else around that who has to live in it? We need a holistic package where all these things are happening at once. So we're fighting for protections for homeowners, like long-term homeowner improvement grants, working on property tax relief, right? working on access to home ownership so that folks who rent and want to own can become owners. We're working on protections for condo owners, right? Helping folks be able to keep those HOA fee lows, HOA fees low, keep their building up to date. And then of course, right, a lot of the stuff we're in there is talking about renters, it's 77% of neighborhood, right? Eviction protections, money to keep folks in their apartments, uh, a new ARO so you can't buy a building and knock it down and just build up luxury units. There has to be some affordability built in there, right? These are the types of things we're talking about holistically that can all happen in the neighborhood at once. That'll make sure everyone can benefit and stay, and that and don't and that and that don't necessarily stop uh, development, right? Because we still want. Listen, when I walk on Seventy First Street, I still want somewhere to eat too, right? Like I get it. Um, we're not against that. Kiera knows, but we also know that if you don't do the housing first, it usually ends up way too expensive after the fact. So, are you hoping that uh, one of the direct results of the Obama Center is that affordable housing is constructed in conjunction with the Obama Center uh, with ironclad guarantees that uh, the housing will remain affordable for the foreseeable future, uh, as opposed to the Obama Center being sort of the uh, this, the ignition that, that sets off Northside style gentrification? Yep, exactly, right? What we're talking about is not only affordable housing, but what are the policies in place for folks who are currently living in apartments, condos, and homes right now, mm -hmm. right? I think oftentimes in the housing session, you hear affordable housing, you hear more and more and more affordable housing, but most folks live in quote unquote market rate buildings, right? Most most bank tenants, right? Other, another phrase for homeowners, right? Because you still you still paying somebody money on a monthly basis and they can take your home, right? <laughs> um, they, they, need, they need protections too. And building affordable housing doesn't really help if the home I have gets sold or knocked down or I get evicted out of it right? and I don't have the credit or money to move into the new place. So it's, it's about it's about a sweeping package, right? That'll be, I think, a really model, not only for the city, but for the nation around how we can actually yeah. deal with development. And I think that the cool thing about like what we're trying to do is that if it, 
even though it is a housing policy, it really focuses on like the social determinants of health, right? So what are the things that we need to to make the environment in which we live, work and play, you know what I mean, thrive. Um, and I feel like a lot of the time, like that's placed in housing, right? Because where you live in your environment um, involves so much, like do you work in your neighborhood? Like do you, um, are your property taxes going to the education system? Like um our crime rates affecting the education system you know like all of these things um ultimately like bore down the housing issues uh and so what was the exact language of the referendum that would pass so overwhelmingly yep i will so there were two referendum i'm going to read the language to you now mm -hmm. um is you know i gotta just pull it up so i don't want to make sure i say the wrong thing but um so for south shore the language mm -hmm. that we had is as quote right so we obviously we have a, a lengthy lift of demands so we tried to like bundle it all into one thing um to do it succinctly so shall our mayor alderman and mayor support a uh, community benefits agreement cba ordinance to prevent the displacement of renters condo and homeowners in south shore in light of the impact of the obama center and growing de development in the area by taking steps that include but are not limited to that are not limited to one, funding home repair, increasing home ownership and property tax relief. Two, eviction protection, rental relief, and a ban on application and move-in fees. Three, development of 100% income-based, and I'll talk about that in a second, housing on city-owned lots, and then four, local hiring and jobs programs. Um, I do want to note, like, income-based housing isn't really a term, right, that you hear a lot from the city. Um, in our demands, we have demands around, like, public housing, right? South Shore is the number one neighborhood for voucher holders, folks on Section 8 but then also affordable housing. And so we wanted to include both of those and folks landed on that term. Um, and we were very clear, like 100%, when we knocked on doors or phone called and talked to people, we kind of walked folks through that. And I think it's pretty clear, like oftentimes you hear reservation around, well, you know, folks don't want to live next to a new Cabrini Green, so we can't have all affordable or we can't have public housing here. We put it on the ballot. The language is clear. We talked to folks about it, and overwhelmingly, folks were like, "Nah, fuck that. We 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 need that." <laughs> uh, so, um, was there any opposition? You talk about uh, the efforts you made to get people to vote yes. Uh, was there any opposition? Were there people going around opposing the referendum, knocking on the doors, and saying whatever it is the opponents say against the CBA? If there was, they should have tried harder. <laughs> so in other words you didn't see any signs of it well i think there's a couple you know folks and groups in the neighborhood that are like in the pocket of i'll just say it right in the pocket of the university or the city um and you know they probably had meetings on zoom with like the six of them and they were like oh you know they're troublemaking again and i think you know what they heard from folks uh is that that folks understand what we're trying to do and folks need this. And yeah. so, um, you know, they can they can find another way to make money, but this isn't it. Well, that's it's interesting because those are overwhelming numbers, Kira and Dixon. And my sense of it is that it suggests that the opposition, how do I put this? How do I frame this? The opposition doesn't really care about this referendum because it's non-binding so it won't force them to do something. I think the point I'm getting at when I note that there was uh, no opposition uh, is that it suggests that the people who are against the CBA, and there are people who are against uh, the CBA, 
uh, didn't take the referendum seriously. Uh, since it's a non-binding referendum, they figured, well, even if everybody votes against it, we don't have to respond to it. We don't have to follow its dictates. So we're just going to go about our business. And uh, Dixon and, and Kira, what, I was, what it reminds me of is referendums in the past about uh, the elected school board. And there were many of them. And I never saw an elected school board uh, referendum question that didn't win overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And Rob tr- did everything, moved heaven and earth to try to keep it off the ballot. Because mm-hmm. uh, he knew he would lose at the ballot. So mm-hmm. that's my sense of things. Am I being too cynical and jaded, uh, Dixon? No, I think um, I think there are two pieces of that, right? I think, one, the referendum in and of itself doesn't win the CBA, right? Um, but I think it sent a clear message to the mayoral candidates um, and to the aldermanic folks around where folks were. And, and, and to a degree, and Kira can talk about this, it's, it's, some, it's an additional data that's pretty objective because folks got to read it. Like, we didn't shy away from, we're talking about this in relation to the Obama Center, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't just say, do you support affordable housing in general? No, in light of the Obama Center, right? It's in there, it's being named, and we're naming things 100% affordable in public housing, right? And folks are like, yeah. Um, and I think the other piece is that, you know, we've, this is just one thing and like a long list of things that we're willing and ready to do between now and when we win the CBA. And so, um, you know, they probably would have been more money against opposing it. But I think, you know, a lot of that was spent on, you know, getting Paul Vallis to the runoff, you know, like they had other things, the real estate investors and <laughs> had other things to spend their money on this time around. That's a joke. That's not a joke. But. And I also think, Dixon, that um, not only like going, going on that data piece, um, the the city's biggest pushback was they don't know about homeowners and condo owners. So Pink Seeds 5 is mainly homeowners and condo owners, um, and it's clear that they are in for it too, that they want it too. So like, even if they, like, it's clear, like, what is your argument now? And so just, like, what are you going to say now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I uh, Precinct 5 is the one I, I was uh, teasing Dixon about, Kira. So once again, I'm going back to these, the results uh, as reported to me by uh, Dixon on a piece of paper. Kira, look at that. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, to be fair, Brent, I, we did get an updated graphic made. Kira is the chair yeah. of our CBA campaign. Kira and others give me shit about my... Uh, no way I, I format and style things. So we had a better, a prettier know. graphic for Instagram. Kira, I'm sure that there are, you are and just one of many young uh, computer sophisticated people there here. But I just <laughs> love this old school thing. He was just worried about me, Kira. Uh, better not show it a computer form to bed. It'll blow his mind. Uh, so uh, but <laughs> the fifth precinct was 74%, 73.99, 74% uh, voted for, for it. So that was like, that's where, like, the home, that's where the homeowners are. Mm-hmm. So even the homeowners voted for it. Demonizing your referendum, demonizing you, demonizing Dixon, turning you into the like the devil incarnate, uh, and trying to scare people. I, I presume the results would have been different. Uh, but what it's just to me, and you respond to this one, Kerry, is that folks want people in that area want the neighborhood to like the residential population 
part of the neighborhood to remain the same, they would just like to have a grocery store to go to, some development on 79th Street. Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They they would like, yeah, we're a stable neighborhood. Now we would like to see uh, some economic development that doesn't kick us out. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my sense of things, your comment. I would agree. Um, I really think that if you look at the landscape of South Shore, I love South Shore. I am a Chicagoan through and through. South Shore is where, like, I spent, like, when you leave, like, when you fly from the nest and you, like, you go off on your own. Like, I landed in South Shore, and it really, like, I love it there. Um, And one of the things that I find that, like, South Shore has that a lot of other communities may not, it's that diversity, right? Um, it's like South Shore is very diverse, even though it's very, it's like 70% um, voucher holders, the rest of that is like people who are paying like mixed income or like um, like living in houses. So I think that for me, when I'm thinking about like um, the sentiments and what I've heard people say is that like, they love South Shore. They love being in South Shore. They love the, the, the environment that South Shore has. But like there are definitely improvements that can be made, and that doesn't come that those come from resources. Um, and the only way to get resources is to have development, right? Um, but the the catch there is that it should be community led development. Um, and if people really do care, or if like our former president really does care about like organizing in the organizing community, it should be clear that like people who are here should stay, and they should get the benefits of the of the museum, or or not even museum. What is it? <laughs> Center, it's, center, it's center. The library, so now it's the center. So yeah, you know, whatever it's gonna be. <laughs> don't, don't look at me. I, I, it's a center. I, I'm not quite sure what exactly is gonna be there. But let's get into the Obama name. Uh, and uh, you're up against a lot. That's a very powerful name in the city of Chicago. A lot of support uh, for President Obama uh, here in the city. I, I actually believe that if he were to get involved in this mayor's race, well, I, it would be a big impact. Let's just put it that way. I don't think he will get involved in this mayor's race. He got involved in 2015, but I don't believe he'll get involved in this one. Uh, but I recall, I think I told Dixon this the last time he was on the show, Kara. Get your thoughts on this. There was a hearing uh, in uh, at High Park High School regarding the Obama Center and I want to say uh, it was in a God lost track of time, but it was about 2015. It was right right around there. Uh, the place was packed, uh, and at that time, the Obamas had not decided where they were going to put the center. I was hoping they would put it on the west side. Everybody laughed at me. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I thought they could have. They could have. They could have. Yeah, there was. <laughs> There was a lot of space. Oh, man. Anyway, but people, everybody in that that high school, like overwhelming, was against me. They all wanted it in the South Side, uh, either Washington Park or Jackson Park, and then up at Jackson Park. So I said, well, the people have spoken, and once again, I've lost. Uh, And uh, But again, it was that Obama name, Kira. You know, people were like, this is what uh, President Obama wants. This is what Michelle Obama wants, and we should uh, respect them. Uh, they're our heroes, et cetera, and so forth. Very strong, passionate like, support for the Obamas themselves, the individuals. And I guess that makes it challenging, to put it mildly, uh, if you're trying to 
sort of use what the Obamas are uh, promoting for something that they are not, they have not joined. They're not aboard the CBA. As I recall, Barack Obama himself said there was no need for a CBA. So what are the challenges that that, uh, that, that means for you? I'm going a, I'm to a jump in, Ben, because I think that, like, I, I, th- I know the meetings you're talking about they had in 2015. I was at a lot of them, too. I probably just didn't know you then. I was like, who is this white guy? He's probably trying to, <laughs> he's probably trying to come buy some property over here. Um, but I think there's, like, two pieces with that. One, like, one, you know, we can be transparent, right? Like, Leon Finney used to bully a lot of tenants in those buildings that they used to own to come to things like that. So I do think, like, let's be honest about, you know, rest in peace and all that stuff. But, like, let's be honest about how Rom did public-facing events in Chicago during the time, right? Like, there was a lot of the machine was at a different stage than it's at now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, though, I won't, like, you know, I think Kiera mentioned it earlier, right? Like, my mom, you know, her grandma, my grandmother was still alive in 2015, um, you know, folks are excited about it and want and do feel a lot of pride in, you know, the president, right? Because what he stands for in the eyes of a lot of people is like social progress, right? And so you can make arguments around what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? Is that real? But the reality is that's what folks see, right? And so I think that's important. Nonetheless, I think like um, Keir landed on it earlier, you know, I've there have been doors that we've been knocking on for years now at this point, right? And so the first time you come, folks like, well, I support it. And I feel like maybe what you're doing is against the center. That's fine. And you come back maybe six months later and folks like, well, you know, they actually just rate, you know, they raised our rent over here and they haven't done anything to the building. You know, I think that that's kind of crazy. Um, what time is the meeting? You know, and they're like, okay, okay, cool, cool. And then, you know, you come back around the third time and they're like, hey, I got 10 people from my building. We're going to go vote for the referendum right now. Dixon, you don't come over here anymore. Go go down the street, right? <laughs> so I think, like, there's a lot of pride in that. And the reality is people can't eat that. That does not keep you warm. That does not create an office of the tenant advocate when, like, your heat's been off for four weeks, like the Catalyst tenants had a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, material conditions really do matter. And folks want to live, like Kira said, a good life. And that takes... In a capitalist society, it takes some development, but also what that means truly is investing in people and investing in like public institutions and public infrastructure, right? Um, South Shore is valuable land because of the train, because of the roads, right? Because of the housing stock, because of the lake, because of the park. And the city that it put at some point, was it now, put time and effort and energy into putting those things there. And the most important is the people, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I go to Parkside, like the building's cool, but it's like it's people like here who lived who used to live, you know, across the street or down the street, right? Like that's what made it nice. Um, and so I think investing in people is, as well as public institutions, is a real way to develop in communities. That was and good I also risk. don't think that we can't be against criticism, right? So like all of what Dixon said, yes, but it's also like we 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 cannot be against criticizing those in which we idolize, right? Because they're human beings, they eat, they eat shit and piss just like we do, right? Uh, so we can't be above criticizing the things in which they do. Okay, uh, I hear you. I just, <laughs> I'm just gonna bring it out to reality. Uh, I, I had a radio show where they call in, uh, loud call-ins, uh, Kira, uh, and this, I was on the air, supportive before they fired me for being too lefty. Uh, anyway, um, I always like to say that. Uh, just 
keep it real. Uh, but anyway, so I was uh, on the air, and the story had just broken about uh, President Obama giving a speech. I, I forget how no, – at some private group. I can't remember the details, Kiara. I just literally cannot remember. But it was – you're talking about events that happened five years ago. But it was like – I'm like, why is he even talking to this group? And it was some outrageous amount he got. And I I went on the air and I go, I don't understand why President Obama's talking to this this group, this corporate interest group, you know, and he's getting all this money. He doesn't need the money. He's, um, his he just his book is a bestseller. He's making a fortune. His wife's book's a bestseller. She's making a fortune. You know, they're doing really well for themselves. Why are you giving speeches to this corporate group? And nobody knows what you're saying anyway. It's behind a closed door. Boom, phone lights up and it was a woman she said she was some somebody from the south side and she let me have it she was like don't you know he has they have children to support and they got tuition to I'm like, you wouldn't think i was taking money you think i was taking food from obama's table that i went to his house and took the no food for you guys tonight <laughs> so <laughs> Ben, I think I Ben, I hear you. I hear you. And I but I and that's real. And I think that, you know, um I forgot what I think it was, I think it was uh yeah, I mean, I think you know, we don't get a lot of heroes in our community, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so rightfully so, when folks get a hero, they're gonna stick to them. Uh, and I think that that's something that's really come up in. I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot now because my show. It's, it's something really comes up in this mayoral race, right? Because okay. what it's come down to is how do people look at and view certain institutions, you know, organizations, and what they view them as. I think like even crime is an institution that a lot of folks mm -hmm. are kind of sticking to. Right. Um, the police are an institution that a lot of folks are kind of sticking to, and we're kind of seeing that be the playing ground for this mayoral election. Ben, what do you think about the mayoral election? Wow, that was that was a whoa, a brilliant move by uh podcast host Dixon Romeo. Well, I'm sick of talking about Obama. Let's talk about other things. I hear you about Obama. We'll move on from Obama. You made a good point. Uh what do I think about the mayoral election? I want to go what you think about the mayoral election, particularly Akira. Uh and um so, uh, I so, okay. I'm going to put it to you this way: We're going to talk mayoral politics now, and uh, so I vacillate moment to moment on the issue of who I think will win. Follow me on this, Kira and Dixon. So whenever I'm talking um, to a journalist, I've just assumed Paul Vallis is going to win, because pretty much every journalist I know are so used. To, like me, remember my opening riff. The opening riff I did about how, like, people who, like, J. Mal Green, uh, have to make decisions. Like, who's going to win this race? And how do, like, what's the reality going to be if Paul Vallis wins and I've gone for Brandon, you know? And so I think, like, that's the mindset of Chicago, uh, Dixon, that you can't beat the Paul Vallises of the world. You cannot beat Daly. You cannot beat Rom. You cannot beat Paul Vallis. They will always win. This is the mindset of conventional mainstream Chicago journalists. They view with utter disdain lefties, community activists, the, the central driving planning 
principle of the last 30 years has been to move the very people out of Chicago that the CBA is trying to protect. Here, I'm just speaking the truth here in my humble opinion. So I like this is the world I live in, Dixon. When I talk to people, they're like, Ben, come on, man. You know that Dallas is going to win. You know. <laughs> Why do you think? Why do you think Jesse White endorsed him? Why do you think Walter endorsed him? Because they know he's going to win. Walter wants to be the finance chair. Come on, Ben, wake up. Stop being such a hippie in your attic. And uh, so I'm like, well, all the, the these guys really know a lot. You know, they know more than me. I'm just a guy in the attic talking to Dixon. And uh, so, and then I talked to lefties, Kira, and they're like people who actually go door to door and knock on doors, like real true believers. And they go, I don't know anybody who's for phallus. <laughs> so if I, so that's my thing. I vacillate. I'm like, wow. So I think Brandon could win. So I'm kind of all over. And the reason why I, I, I put it that way, Kira and Dixon, is because it's like, I'm not quite sure where Chicago is. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, first of all, 65% of the city didn't vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just they, everybody, everybody in Chicago is so upset about crime. Well, if you're so upset about crime, why did 65% of the people not vote? That mm-hmm. suggests to me they're not upset about crime. Do you follow what I'm saying, Kara? I mean, if you're really upset about crime, you would vote and make your statement about how you feel about how to protect yourself from crime known. But 65% of the people didn't vote, which strongly suggests to me that they're not that upset about crime. Your thoughts, Kira? Well, no, I think that you have to look at it from a historical perspective. Um, and I think that um, as, as a Black person myself, I know that a lot of people in my community, instead of voting for the lesser of two evils, they just choose not to vote, right? Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with like history and like the way that um, Chicago was built and created. Um, when I when, when you were speaking, I also heard with segregation. <laughs> like I was here with segregation, segregation, like, because that's really what um, the machine and what Chicago was built on, right? So like when you have those infrastructures of the Mayor Dailies and the Rami Manuels. Um, it just shows me that Chicago, and then we had a mayor like who was a black woman and who happened to be part of the LGBTQA like population. Like, it just makes me feel, it takes me back to like, um, when, when people invaded, invaded the, um, the White House, right? Because they were so up in arms about uh, Trump not being able to win again or not being able, you know what I mean? It just puts us back like in that boat. Um, I feel like America and Chicago specifically cannot get away from racism and, and segregation and the things that are, are, are built up. Um, and I think that that's really what people are trying to make this race about, right? Um, I don't really know. For me, I think that like a lot of people are saying like, hell, Washington was his own person, Brennan Johnson is his own person. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, and even though I feel like they will be fighting like the same type of machine, um, I do think that, um, we just got to wait and see, right? Like, it's all up in the air. Nobody really, really knows what's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, a court's boots on the ground, people, because, like, people are saying what they are perceiving and what they want to be true. So I don't know. Everything is up to the air, in my opinion. I just, I'm just i just waiting to hear about, like, um, at least from Brandon, I've heard his stance on things. 
from Valaz, all I really heard him say is that he's against violence, um, which is cool. But like, what else do you care about? <laughs> yeah, and I'll say too, Ben. Like, obviously, you know, uh, you know, CBA Coalition is made up of nonprofit organizations and community groups. You know, we're not endorsing any candidate. I'm just saying that to make sure we don't get in trouble. But I do think we, what we can and should say is that, like, you know, Kiera, when you look at what folks choose, I think Kier talked about like people are saying what they perceive to be true. And I think that's probably an argument you can make about where usually what candidates do in, in political races, right? Um, so I hear one candidate talking about like investing in people, uh, talking about being a part of a movement, talking about being accountable to different folks, talking about a plethora of issues facing the city, right? And I think I see another candidate, right, talking only about crime right like deep deepening talking about narratives heavily talking about police being solution the solution to that and not deviating from that and so when i hear kiera talk about like the history of chicago you know i think it'd be fair to say that there's a candidate that's like pushing for us to have that history be different where the lefties do and the progressives do win and we do have some change and there's another one that's fighting for you know business as usual or really a return to an old old way that did not benefit folks that look like me. Um, and so I think it's pretty clear, you know, I might, I might tweet out to, you know, my, my 200 followers, I don't have a lot, but I'll tweet out to them that I, you know, I might invite both candidates to my house and make a decision on it. <laughs> I know it's very hard. Um, we'll have to consider and weigh all the different options, <laughs> but I don't know, dog, to me, it seems kind of, <laughs> it seems like there's really one answer, right? Uh, if, if a candidate can't speak to you about the plethora of issues that you face on a daily basis and and crime's definitely one of them right like i'm south shore is not the safest place in the world i don't kick it on i'm not kicking it on 75 and dante right you know what I'm <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? like i get it and on the way there i pass vacant lots that should be mental health clinics i pass buildings that should be housing i i walk through streets that aren't accessible to folks with disability i look at folks who are talented and i walk past schools who need resources and and, and i think that like you know been doing all of those things will benefit the other and i think you got to invest in people so you know i wouldn't i wouldn't advise anyone to vote for anyone who's not talking about investing in people people without badges and guns right to be specific um no one believes blue that's not a thing <laughs> i i would urge everyone and this is me i'm talking not dixon and not kira I would urge everybody to listen to Paul Vallis's interview that he gave with his outfit called Wirepoint with his right-wing outfit and talking about critical race theory. And I would ask people when they're done listening to him talking about critical race theory, one, to please explain to me in simple, coherent sentences exactly what he's saying. Because what he's saying is so, on the face of it, batshit crazy that I think the man lost his mind. But maybe I also believe he's saying things like in code words that are, he's not coming out exactly specifically stating what he's saying. He's saying in code words, but for some reason, the code words are so poorly framed that it's not, I'm not getting the code, you know, like the barking dog or whatever they say, the dog whistle, the whistle's mm -hmm. not working. It's too high. The decibels are too high. And so like you were either about to elect as mayor, if you believe all the journalists 
a guy who stands with MAGA on the attitude of teaching black history in schools or a lunatic. <laughs> well, maybe the first one is the same thing, but who is absolutely incoherent. So that that would be my first. You could get that interview. All you got to do is Google it. You could get that in all you millennials and Z's out there. You know how to use the Internet better than I do. You could find it. And uh, I, I I just find it a very. Um, this, this town voted 85 percent against Trump. And now here we are poised to elect this guy who sounds like Trump. So I, I'll start. I'll 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 end the show, or we're not over yet. But I'll I'll go right back where I began. It like this is not a hard choice. <laughs> I've had hard choices. This is not a hard choice. All right. Um. All right, Kira and Dixon. Let's talk a little about the aldermanic race and the aldermanic races. Uh, in your neck of the woods, the fifth ward, the twentieth ward. The seventh ward in the areas around uh, where uh, the Obama Center goes. How are the local aldermen talking, and what impact did this have uh, on the most recent aldermanic races that just ended? And I don't care who goes first. Well, the only candidate to keep her word on a CBA and pass it, although it was in Woodlawn, Jeanette Taylor. Um, yeah, 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 Jeanette. Shout out, Jeanette. Um, is def is reelected. Um, you know, Greg Mitchell in the seventh war got reelected. In the fifth war, we have a runoff, two candidates, both of which, you know, have said they support CBA. One of them said, you know, not a hundred percent, the other one a hundred percent. So Desmond Yancey said he's a hundred percent on board with CBA. Tina Holmes says she's like 85, 90% there, but there's some things she would tweak uh and decrease around like the vacant lots and affordable housing or a number of number of affordability and new construction um so that's what that's what we got here we got a i think desmond came through like 26 percent. tina had like 17 percent. so they're both heading into the runoff but both of them more or less are supportive of cba one more so than the other so that's that's better than what we had with leslie hairston yes it is <laughs> what was leslie hairston's position on the cba i was the, the, it, yeah it was it was the, she called it displacement theater there's an article in Cranes where it's like, this is all machination, like the, a coalition that was started in 2015 when I was in college, like trying to sell pizzas to pay for my tuition. I started it back then. Um, I got like 50 year old community groups to start this coalition so I could run for Alderman now. Um, I didn't, I haven't run for Alderman. I'm not going to, but you know, that's, that was her line and you know, she, she stuck with it. Um, I don't know how you live in the number, you've been alderman for 20 some years of a ward that's been the number one displacement ward in the city for 15 or 13 years and you think it's displacement theater. Wait, um, so what does displacement theater mean? I don't know, you know, we we thought about, Kier was there, we thought about maybe doing our own theater, a displacement theater outside of her office, but we decided not to because she's never there, so it would have been a waste of time. I'm just trying to figure out what displacement theater, uh, well, whatever. I, I, try, I, try to understand. I think that she was trying to use the lingo because didn't you know, like um, when defund was a thing, uh, made a life, but tried to be like, oh, uh, it's a um, theater or whatever. I think that she was just playing off a of word or language that was already out there. I really think it means nothing. Another, 
In other words, she's saying that there's there's no uh, it's not a substantial threat that uh, you're just creating a phony issue. Uh, and it's you're playing to people's emotions uh, and there's no reality there. Is is that OK? Um, I guess so. But the precinct where she lives, 94 or 95 percent of folks, the the totals are still coming in. So we'll see. But data is important. Yeah. Said that they support the CBA. So maybe she should do a house meeting with her neighbors about this issue. Uh, uh, let's, I want to have a question about defund. You mentioned defund. Uh, and I'd love to get your thoughts about this. I've watched the evolution of this term uh, from the first moment I heard it in the aftermath of um, George Floyd's murder in 2020, the summer of 2020, uh, to where we are now. And uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot used uh, the term defund uh, as a weapon to hammer away at Brandon Johnson and Chewy Garcia, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think if she really used it against anybody else. and. Uh, I don't think she did because I guess she didn't figure the other candidates were threats. So, Kara, what do you think the the like? What do you think defunding actually means these days? The way it's used uh, in political campaigns. Um, I think that it still means to take money away. Um, I think that um, it depends on the on the camp, right? So. To me, I feel like defund police is taking money away to figure out what we can do with it or how we can utilize it to actually restore or bring safety and security to communities. Um, whereas how they're using, how they're trying to recognize it is really like um, taking money away to then do nothing with it, right? Just take the money away and then we can just hoard all the money. Um, but that's not really where it's supposed to go, right? So like if you look at neighborhoods that are considered valuable and thriving and you look at the things that they have versus what they don't have you don't see police in their schools you don't see police driving around the, the neighborhoods at night you don't see shot spotter camp like you don't see all of these things um however they are in minority communities and instead of like when you do go to these communities what you do see is you see um facilities to exercise you see healthy food options you see um environments that are are, are playgrounds your kids can actually play um instead of like being told that they can you know what i mean like and you don't see those in our neighborhoods why because the funding that would go towards creating uh sustainable parks and the funding that would go towards creating you know sustainable schools in in, in, in environments to play is going to the policing right it's going towards those shot part of cameras it's going towards putting extra policemen outside to uh secure the place right so why would we do that like if we if chicago cares about data as much as chicago say that they care about data why are we not looking at what it is saying <laughs> like, like if it is saying that police do not make us safe why are we so against you know what I mean? Um, taking money away and figuring out how to utilize it. If we take money away from the police, it could go to housing policies. And then the whole, like, oh, we don't have enough funding for this would be eradicated, right? Because we do. We, because we're not funding things that do not make our communities safe. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I could go on this soapbox. <laughs> it's going. I got a feeling you'll be running the podcast next week after uh, Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I hear you. I, I hear I hear I heard what you said. Dixon, your thoughts. Yeah, I think Kira's speaking to like the 
what it, what the term actually means. And I, but I think what's happened is that, um, you know, whether it's because of not folk, en enough folks haven't been exposed to it in a, you know, one-to-one -one basis or because there's been like concentrated efforts by, you know, different entities from the police to like, you know, very moneyed interest to like, bastardize the term in a way like make it de de demonize the term make it scary um but again i think like if you say it plainly like kiera said it do we support putting money towards the root issues of crime right um everyone does right i think anytime you have an experience where folks are dealing with violence or crime the thing that they talk about to prevent it isn't oftentimes more police or even if they do mention police the next eight things they mention are resources that could be invested in with that money, right? Um, you know, I, we talk, I talk to folks in schools, we talk to tenants, right, who are like, you know, when they have issues, like, well, the landlord needs to fix this, and we need jobs for these kids, and the schools need this, and the bus don't come on time, and if the bus came on time, people would get to work, and they wouldn't be out here doing X, Y, Z, right? So you're talking about public transportation, funding housing, funding education, funding mental health, right, funding jobs, that is all stuff that, you know, if we spend 40% of our budget on policing should go to that, right? Um, so this is just me and Kiera speaking as not me, we members, you know, obviously the coalition doesn't deal with uh, policing, right? We're about housing and protections, but I think that um, that's just really important in this moment in time. I'll say it personally, right? You know, I had a stepbrother that I lost, right? To, to gun violence, the police officer killed, right? My stepbrother, Harif Augustus. And I think like, the reality of the situation is, is that, that that does not make anyone in my family feel any safer. Um, and so I think that, you know, these are all things that, when I think about the community, like 71st Street doesn't feel safer that the police killed someone there. Um, what would make things feel safer is people to have opportunities, right? People to be uh, funded and secure and have their material needs met. Um, and so I think, you know, when we look at, taking it back to the mayor's race, how candidates talk about violence and public safety, you're talking about communities, you're talking about people who are Chicagoans, who live in the neighborhood, and is our response to them to further harm them and cause further harm in communities, or is our, or is our, or is our goal to keep people safe while reversing these trends and making it more safer? And I think, you know, I think both candidates have made it pretty clear where they stand on that issue. Hmm. Uh I did not know he was your stepbrother. That's uh, you caught me off guard with that one. Um, Sorry, but I'm full of surprise. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was. Our, I mean, talked a lot about that. Uh, his murder, uh, and I have not seen what happened uh, s subsequent in the last I don't know three years. So that's a, a story that's sort of out there. Uh, so you kind of caught me off guard there. I'm going to get myself uh, together here and continue the conversation. Uh, I uh, think defund the police, uh, the phrase itself has become uh, a weapon, a political weapon, and uh, I don't know how far it will go. Uh, I watch how this Chicago race is being covered outside of Chicago. Uh, I could have led with that. Uh, Dixon and Kira, there was just a little blurb in the New York Times about how important it is, uh, significant that Lori Lightfoot lost. This is a, a right winger saying this, a guy named uh, Stevens, a right winger for the New York Times, because it shows that people are disgusted with crime. Uh, and he hoped fervently uh, that uh, the citizens of Chicago would elect Paul Vallis because Paul Vallis would spend more money on police 
uh, and crack down on crime. Uh, and that will halt the flight of businesses from Chicago and the descent of Chicago into chaos, which is really straight out of the Darren Bailey playbook when he ran for governor against J.B. Pritzker. Uh, it's been picked up and championed throughout the country. So people like the way they spin the Chicago election is, though, it's um, either you're for crime and chaos or order and police. And so that's how it's being spun. Eric Adams weighed in on it too, the mayor of New York City. So uh, I'm like, wow, this 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 is remarkable how this um, <laughs> this issue is being used. You know, and Trump tried to use it against uh, Biden in in 2020, didn't work. And Bar Darren Bailey tried to use it against J.B. Pritzker in 2022, it didn't mm -hmm. work. And now here it comes. <laughs> it's coming back a third time, yeah. you know? Uh, and I don't know. I have no idea if it will work. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Dixon and Kiara, before I let you go back to your busy days? Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime, Kiara. You passed the audition. Uh, you can see it's not a tough audition. Uh, uh, Dixon, you have any th final thoughts? Uh, we have a, a meeting at South Shore Library, March 16th. It's our what's next kind of like post-election meeting with folks. Um, you know, we got good referendum results, but obviously, like you said, that's not enough. We got to keep organizing. Um, and so inviting folks in South Shore to come out to that. Ben, you can come out and listen in. Um, it's at South Shore Library from 6 to 7.30, March 16th, Thursday. So next week. Very good. And I will uh, hold off on conversations on what the Bulls have to do uh, to make the play in. Uh, very oh, yeah. <laughs> But I support, shout out to the concession workers from Unite here who, who went on strike the other day or did a one-day, was it a strike or walkout? It was a one-day I think they called it a one-day strike. And okay, the, what, the one-day yeah. strike when the yeah. Bulls played the Pacers was that Sunday. Um, I know I know a couple of folks who were going to go to the game but didn't. <laughs> Um, and so I'm glad they didn't and didn't cross that picking line. Yes. I think one of the folks was named Dixon and the other named Ben. And uh, Kiara, I, we just couldn't do it. So and, and I, and we were we were like planning this for so long and looking forward to it. But I, we saw eye to eye on that one. and just like, no way. Can't do it. And so, God, you guys could have had to like to walk out of another day i don't know whatever <laughs> you know it's, i know they're not doing it's like to can make it convenient for ben and dixon so uh yeah but i'm with them 100 it's ridiculous it costs a lot of money to go to a bulls game a lot of money yeah. and come on guys you could spread it around a little bit mm -hmm. and by the way bulls you can end this thing right now zach lean demar Derozan, okay you know uh ac alex caruso stand with those concessionaires that would end it all of a sudden, the money would be there, Dixon. I yeah, guarantee it you. It'd be a very short strike. Uh, super supporting the players kind of stepping up and, and getting out there. So yeah, they should do that. They if I knew them, I'd text them. But... I know. I don't know them. <laughs> oh, we need more uh, Craig Hodges's on the on the Chicago Bulls. You know what I'm saying? Um, all right, uh, Dixon, thank you so much. Kiara, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me. And also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job, as he always does. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And 
Find The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.